Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, this is our small business or medium business or large business uh, function that we're going to talk about today because we have an expert in Mr. Matt Schiff, who is the president of Schiff Benefits. Matt, welcome to the program and thank you for interrupting your day to share your insights about how your business, Shift Benefits, will benefit businesses, small, medium, or large, but also to provide us your view on leadership. Welcome, Matt. Thank you for having me. Matt, if you could, let's let's kick it off by sharing with our audience uh, with an overview of your education background and experience. Well, I... Um, I went to prep school back from 14 to 18 up at Tabor Academy up in Marion, Massachusetts, then went from Tabor to Tulane University where I thought I was going to become a doctor. Um, after about a year and a half, I decided maybe I should go towards the business side, which is where my father and my grandfather were, uh, both in the financial services world. And I kind of grew up around it over the kitchen table. Mom was in it. They did 401ks. They did retirement plans, they did uh, executive benefits or key man life insurance. And so um, that education sort of got me going towards where I am working with small business to mid-sized businesses, doing their business planning and uh, finding ways to keep their best people. Very nice. You, you just said something, and I'm sure some of my audience members are wondering, what is key man insurance? <laughs> well, think about it this way. If you had a key employee, somebody who is your top salesperson, uh, top manufacturer, or the uh, person who's your manager that you can't live without. Because a lot of times what happens is, as a business owner, you usually have one or two major employees that if you weren't there, you rely on them. So if something happened to them, if they became disabled, if they left the company because they were paid additional compensation, or God forbid, they happen to die because of some accident and it had nothing to do with the business. That's what a key man policy is all about. It would pay the corporation in case the person died. It would provide the company some value to be able to give them some time to recover from loss of a key employee and therefore give them the income that they would need to be able to replace that person and train somebody to take that position. And this is one of the many, many uh, services that Shift Benefits provides to your clients, correct? That is correct. It's all part of a planning process. You don't assume that there's one thing you're going to go into. Most of the time, what happens is it becomes a discussion. Um, I remember when I started out in the business 30 years ago, people used to say, you're an insurance guy. You're a protection guy. I don't like paying premiums. I go, you're right. No one wants to pay an insurance premium. They immediately think, oh my God, I'm paying a premium for my car insurance, my liability insurance, my uh, property and casualty insurance on the business. But what I go in and I talk to people about is, where do you put cash? Where can you make that work for you and do double, triple duty for you so that you can say, okay, to a uh, bank, I've got cash sitting in the bank. I don't want to use that cash. I'd like to be able to borrow some money from you and therefore build out my business. Business owners have a very unique way of looking at things. And so what I do is I sit down from a planning standpoint and I say, okay, what are your goals? And a lot of times when those goals come up, it's like, 
okay, I have a plan to sell the business in five to seven years. Every business owner wants to sell their business in five to seven years. And there's usually a number, a magic number that they want to hand the keys over. And they say, if you give me this number, I'm walking away. And so what happens if they walk away is you've got all these employees or the business, it's an ongoing concern. Well, if you hand over the keys to the next person and the best people have left, the business is worth nothing. So therefore, what we do is we sit down and we discuss how do we do all of these different things that they're trying to accomplish. And it all comes down to cash flow usually as a small business owner. That is correct. So um, your website, if I understand correctly, it's www.shift, which is spelled S-C-H-I-F-F benefits.com, correct? That is correct, yes. And on your site, well, very well done, by the way, um, you provide a lot of different services. Could you walk our audience through the, the various different uh, services that you provide? Because it, it's very consultative. It, it's not, like you said, it's not just insurance. It's looking at the, the total property of business and how you're going to protect and grow that business. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the one thing is, if you looked at our website, we have four or five different areas that we focus on. Um, the first part is what they call an egg whip. It's an employer group waiver plan. It's for larger municipalities, larger corporations that have what they call legacy health benefits where they're trying to reduce their cost of their benefits in the way of the prescription drug benefits. There's that donut hole for every uh, age 65 and older employee that has to pay an out-of-pocket expense. And that's one of the plans that we do. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, their, uh, on this call because of the fact that it's a very, very specialized type program. But everything else that we talk about on there is... Can, is um, really for a small business all the way up to a fortune 50 company. But the funniest thing is when you implement these types of programs, it's the smaller business owner. And I say smaller business owner, it's like 10 to maybe 50 employees who has the same problems that a, a company that has 250 to 500 employees or even a thousand employees, but they don't have a propensity to work with an accountant or an attorney or a business planner who's going to help them design these types of programs that aren't going to be a cost to them. So what we do is we show them like specifically, everybody thinks the first benefit plan that you have to put in place is a qualified pen, you know, a qualified plan. And that's a 401k. How much money can you put into this plan? How much can you get deducted? How much can you match? Stuff like that. We have the ability to do that, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I'm here to talk about what I would call a discriminatory discretionary benefit that you can pick and choose exactly who you want to give the benefit to because it falls above and beyond the qualified plan limitations. So in this case, imagine thinking of a blank piece of paper and you're saying, okay, in an ideal world, I have $20,000 I'd like to be able to put aside for two or three different people. And it could be $20,000 per person. It could be $20,000 overall. Whatever it is, think about the design. Then it says, that's my cash flow. Usually an employer thinks of, okay, how much is it going to cost me from a cash standpoint to do this? Then they think about, well, what's the benefit going to look like? Should it look like a qualified plan? Should it look like an income in retirement? Should it look like ownership? 
Should I be able to give some ownership or feel, look and smell and feel of the company? So I, to you, Daryl, I could give you a piece of my company. But if I give you a piece of my company, as soon as I give you 5% of my stock, you now have the ability to go look at my bank statements, look at my balance sheet, ask my accountant about all the stuff that's going on, and you're a small piece of the ownership, you really don't have a marketable piece of stock here. Instead, what I can do is I can give you what they call a phantom stock. It gives you the look, smell, and feel of ownership in a company. It's a document between you and I that says, if you stay here for a certain period of time, I'll give you the ability to cash out some of that value while you're working or when you retire. And if I ever sell the company, it'll immediately be vested and it'll convert into real stock or you'll get a piece of the company when it's sold. Now, part of that is I can put a restriction on it that says, if you leave for any reason and I have a non-compete, I have ability to claw it back. Or if you decided to open up another company and left my company, I could say, oh, guess what? You get nothing. So I have a good way of retaining that key employee. And that benefit can be designed however I want to design it as long as I follow certain tax rules. And those tax rules happen to fall under 409A that came about in 2004. In 2004, that was when it was drafted. It was actually enacted in 2006. And I helped draft that rule, those rules and regulations with the insurance and financial services industry as well as the treasury. On top of that, when you design these types of programs, it's usually a planned document. The question is, where are you going to fund it from? Is it going to be out of future earnings so that there's no money put aside? Do you want to put some money aside and have it grow like a bank account? And then if you're going to have a bank account, how do you do it most tax efficiently? And what's the best type of asset to own? People think of life insurance and they go, oh my God, worst investment ever. But at the time is, Susie Orman came up with the idea of buy term and invest the difference. Well, imagine taking buy term and invest the difference, but putting a, the term wrapper around your, your investment that basically creates a tax wrapper. That's what institutional or corporate owned life insurance is. So you usually, you could have an investment that's a dollar have the tax wrapper around it that costs you about three cents. And so at the end of the first year, even if you decided to walk away, you get 97 cents on the dollar because you bought life insurance that you needed anyway for that key employee. And then you had some sort of investment. It could be in an insurance carrier. It could be in an index fund. It could be in some mutual funds. Again, that comes down to an investment philosophy that I don't need to go into right now, but that's sort of like, one of the things that you can look at as you're designing these types of programs. What I'm here talking about is more of how does the business owner want to retain their key employee? And that's a non-qualified deferred compensation plan. And that's one of the things that's major on our, our website. The second portion is bank-owned life insurance. So if you have a bank, you want to keep your key employees around. Banks have a tendency to invest in bonds. They want to have a tax-deferred bond. Well, that's what life insurance They'll put a dollar in and at the end of the first year, they'll have a dollar three. That's one of the other things that we do. Then we talk about how do we, if you've got a successful business, such as a real estate company, now what I can do is I can buy key man life insurance on the two owners of the business. So I can buy out the owner in case of a premature death, but I can also fund your retirement benefit from that 
as the business grows and instead of stuffing it with your own cash so you can run your business, I say to the bank, hey, guess what? I've got a company that's worth three, four, five million dollars and I'd like to borrow the money from Wells Fargo, from Bank of America, from Citizens Bank and let them, you know, let me borrow their money and I'll pay interest on it and it might be 5% this year. So I'll borrow $100,000, I'll pay $5,000 for the cost of a $100,000 policy. The second year, I'll put another 100000 in. Now I'll have a $10,000 loan in the way of interest. And I'll keep doing that every year that I borrow money. The nice thing is, if it's done properly with the right funding, usually it's cheaper to do it with other people's money, as my father would say. You're using other people's money to help you build out your business create a retirement plan as well as fund a key man policy that you really don't only need for while the person's building the business, but also down the road because ultimately these people are going to have created some nice wealth. So you're doing triple duty dollars there. That's a, a large summary of what we do on our website. We also have the ability, if you wanted to, up in the upper right hand corner to get a quote on term insurance or permanent insurance the standard insurance type products that you can get. But again, that's sort of like, oh, by the way, we sell long-term disability, life insurance, and also long-term care insurance. But those are usually for the executives of the business who go, hey, by the way, can you do this? It's part of a, a whole planning process that we do. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Matt Schiff, who is the president of Schiff benefits. And Matt, you've been in the business for a couple of years, right? How long have you been in the business? Unfortunately, this is my 30th year in the business. I never thought I'd get to this point. I'm the uh, youngster of the old men in the business now. There you go. There you go. So in, in your day-to-day -day dealings with all businesses, what are some of the, the major gaps that you immediately see when you're talking to them about their plans for their business and the needs for their business and how they're going to fund those businesses? Well, the first thing is they usually don't know the valuation of their business. I don't know how many times I sit down with a business owner and I go, how much is your business worth? He goes, I have no idea. I said, okay, so what happens if you pass away and now the IRS comes in and says, we're going to value your business? And you go, well, it's really not worth anything if I'm not here, but the IRS is going to say, well, it's a multiple of earnings. So that's one of the things that we really do. We have some software that can help you value that business. And from there, it becomes the discussion. It's like, okay, everybody's concerned about cash flow both today and when they get to retirement. The worst thing you can do is outlive your income. So one of the things that we do is we try, we try to create an income in retirement for the business owner and those key employees. 90% of the people are gonna be fine with the qualified plan and social security. But if you don't plan for it, you're gonna end up running out of cash flow at retirement. And the worst thing that could happen is you're age 82, 83 and you're going, uh, I have no money left. And then you have to totally change your lifestyle because when we get to retirement, we have those go-go years from the time you retire for the first five to seven years. So you want to have a paycheck and a play check. Secondly, you go into, into the uh, slow-go years where you're transitioning from running around and doing all the things and playing the golf and seeing the world. And now you're going, okay, I'm starting to slow down and I've got to pull back 
and I'm starting to, you know, unwind the house. I'm giving the stuff to the kids. And then you get to the no-go years. And unfortunately, one of the stats is 70% of the population at some point will need to be taken care of by either a home health care provider, a long-term care facility, or a family member. And the worst thing that can happen to a family anytime is I've had three of the four grandparents of mine need home health care is to be the person who has to be that provider. The best thing you can do for yourself as a business owner is offer a long-term care contract that is either voluntarily paid for by the employees or as an employee benefit that is added on to their salary. And that's one of the things I talk to every employer and every business owner about. Have you thought about buying a long-term care policy? Because again, 70% of the population will need it. And so when, when, if, when, you're, when you're talking to an individual who's currently uh, doesn't have their own business and they are considering to have their own business, what is some, what is some of the sage advice that you provide them before they send off their paperwork to start their LLC, their, their C corporation, or their sub S corporation? First thing, put a business plan together. Have a SWOT analysis. Do strength, weakness, opportunities, and what's the T? Uh, threats. Threats, correct. Yep. Thank you. Yep. So yep. What, what's your business threat? Is there a barrier to entry? Is it hard to get into the business? Your strength, what do you bring into the table? What's the weaknesses? Are you short on capital? Should you have more cash? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't done that, don't start your business. Because most of the businesses fail within 18 months if you haven't done that. But if you have, one of the things you need to know is six months of cash flow reserves or capital reserves is just barely enough to keep that business afloat because you're gonna have a lot of hiccups that you didn't think about if you've never started a business before. Plan for your, your health insurance, plan for your retirement plan. Don't skimp on the benefits. If you're gonna bring in people to do a job, it's something, bring in people that are different than you. Not the same. You need to have complementary people. I was always told by my father when we started our business, I said, why do you have this person and that person? He goes, they do jobs I don't wanna do. And that's the exact strength that they bring to the table. And um, so that's the nice thing about having additional employees. Remember that for every employee that you pay a dollar, it's going right. to be, you want to bring right. in $3 worth of revenue. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That is excellent. Three to one. We had that rule went out during my time at Dow Jones. Um, that was the rule there. If you asked for a dollar, you had to deliver $3 that ensures that they get their dollar back plus a premium. Very nice, very nice. And, and so what are some of the common hurdles um, that you see that uh, new businesses face that you help them to maneuver through those hurdles? Well, first and foremost, they wanna go for the benefits. Some of the benefits you have to provide are mandated by the government. Again, you've got your health insurance benefits, and those are not cheap. We have a, actually have a division that can handle your health insurance. We try to stay out of it because it's so cumbersome and, and a quagmire. You can actually be on an exchange, but those are not exactly the best benefits that are out there. Um, they're very inexpensive, but they're also a lot of out-of-pocket expenses for the employees. 
And if you're gonna provide a, a high deductible health insurance benefit, you need to set up a, what they call a healthcare savings account. So that the employees can put away about $6,600 in the way of expenses for a doctor's visit, emergency care, et cetera. Um, but that's gonna be your largest expense and most employers don't realize that. Secondly, you, you have your overhead. Your overhead's gonna be your rent, it's gonna be your insurances, like your property and casualty insurance, your electricity, which people forget how much the electricity could cost, their utilities. Um, then it's an operational cost and, the, and the, the COGS, the cost of goods sold. So you gotta go through all of your cost of inventory, how much does it cost to bring it in, how much is the shipping, how much is the employee cost, et cetera. Um, in fact, I helped somebody set up a business about two and a half years ago, and when she set it up, she never realized how the business was going to end up costing them so much. And our, we have an accountant who can we can bring to the table who actually, the if you're doing a retail business, what he has said is if you're taking home 10 to 15% of your gross revenue on a retail business, you're doing very, very well. And to me, I'm like, oh my God, that's really tough to make a, a profit off of 10 to 15%. So... Uh, those are tough conversations to have. Very tough conversations. Absolutely. I, I, I remember growing up in our grocery store, my mom would only mark up what she bought from the distributor by 20%. So every penny counted. She would say, this is a penny business, son. We don't give any pennies away. Someone would say, oh, can I bring back a penny? My mother go, no, no. I want my penny now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So true. And and. I'm sorry, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, what you're talking about are stuff that it's the unforeseen expenses. It's the flood that they didn't expect. It's the um, replacement of the goods that they had purchased that they, they need to go out and do. Um, so when I say you think you need six months worth of capital reserves, really, you need to double that. Um, it, it really is a safety net. When you start up a business, you don't know what you don't know is the bottom line. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And so when you think about 2020, what are some of the, the, the common themes that you're sharing with your clients that they need to think about? Because the new tax law went into effect, what, uh, 2019? Correct. Um, and well, now we the nice thing about the tax law is for the S-Corp business owner, you have the ability to really reduce your taxes uh, by being able to put more money away uh, into retirement plans. So if you're a sole proprietor, you have the ability to reduce that uh, adjusted gross income and drop you down, especially with that 20% sheltering of your expenses as an S-Corp. The C-Corp is a little bit different, but again, you're now in a lower tax bracket. So you have a higher amount of retained earnings that you can keep in the business and reinvest without having to pay taxes on the money that's held in the company, which a lot of times it used to be expense everything off the balance sheet as much as you could. And, and typically, um, can you give us an idea of the uh, description of your, your typical client that you work with? Yeah, well, what we find is our typical client is between 30 and 250 employees that they have. And the reason why that those are the typical clients that we work with is those clients have a propensity to have needs that are above and beyond just the sole proprietor. Now, again, I'm not saying that we don't work with sole proprietors, but some of our programs work best when we have one or two key employees in a 30-person company. 
And usually when you have five employees or seven employees, it's only the business owner that we're talking about. The tax advantages in a, uh, a business owner plan need to be set up in an, a C corp instead of an S corp. There's, since there's no tax sheltering in an S corp, it all passes right through. And most smaller companies are an S corp and they're designed as an S corp because the 20% the deduction off the top. And they're designed because most people don't want the double taxation. So they take a low base salary and then have it all passed through on their K-1. However, if you have a C-Corp, that's really one of the great companies where you can actually design a program where you can double bonus yourself benefits. You get a tax deduction for it at the C-Corp, reducing the income at the C-Corp now at the 21% tax bracket and you're probably in a higher tax bracket as an individual. So now what I can do is I can either double bonus it and then have a, a nice asset that's put aside, that's outside the company, outside the creditors of the company. And that's really the biggest thing about a business owner. He's got all of his net worth in the company. He's going, how do I shelter some of this money away in case something goes bad? And that's what we do is we show them how to set up their company and their assets in such a way from a business planning standpoint that is tax efficient, cash flow efficient, and also benefit rich to them designed so that it's specific to their specific needs. Um, and if you have 30 employees, we start to do it in the aggregate. The nice thing is if we get to 50 employees, we start to get some of the um, guaranteed issue stuff. So some benefits that you couldn't get as a smaller company because you don't have the law of large numbers, just like you're buying a law of large bulk. So that's one of the things you need to be aware of. You know, when you get to a larger company, we worked with a construction company that had 100 employees. We wanted to provide benefits to five key employees, like a profit sharing plan. The thing here is, the, it was an S corp. The owner goes, well, wait a second. I really don't need the sheltering of the income. I get all the income anyway, but my employees are not putting enough money away. I need to help them do that. So I'm gonna show them how I'm gonna put a profit sharing plan in place for the top five guys and for the next seven to eight employees that are up and comers, we're gonna provide a benefit to their family that in case they die while they're working for the, the company, will continue their salary. It's not a death benefit, but it's a salary payable to the company, payable to the employee for one to two years. Well, as part of that, what we did was we bought institutional insurance where we put, let's say, $100,000 in, and we had $105,000 at the end of the first, that first year in the way of cash, but no one had to take a medical. All we had to do was sign a piece of paper, and we were done. We could have done it with a fixed interest, we could have done it with an index fund, we could have done it with a mutual fund, it didn't matter. But it, what was happening was we had a number of different carriers that offered us insurance that was the tax wrapper around our investment, the Susie Orman buy term and invest the difference, that all of these people were key employees, which is what you asked me about in the beginning of this conversation. If I lost them for any reason, I would get paid as the employer to replace them, but I'm also providing them a benefit that when they get to retirement, it's going to supplement what they've been doing in their 401k. Matt, this has been 
Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Matt Schiff of Schiff Benefits. If you've missed any part of this interview, you've got to go to our podcast under Seton Hall University. Look for leadership with Darrell W. Gunter. So Matt, uh, believe it or not, we are out of time, but we got to have you back on the program. We're going to pick another topic to allow you to dive in because you really provided some great insight and information. So I want to thank you for coming on the program. Thank you very much. This was a, a lot of fun. I didn't realize that uh, I was very verbose during my, my answers here. But you asked, we love, we love verbose. <laughs> you, you asked some great questions about the business owner, and that's really what it, this is all about. This is not about insurance products. It's not about investments. It's not about uh, mutual funds. It's not about anything like that. What it is, is it's about the business owner and what he's trying to accomplish. Every business owner, in closing, what I would say is every business owner has got their own dream of how they want to build this thing out. And you've got your key employees and you've got yourself as the person that you want to take care of. So what we do is we sit down with each one of those people and take care of those things in the most efficient manner across the board. Ladies and gentlemen, you have heard it all from Mr. Matt Schiff of Schiff Benefits. I want to thank Matt for coming on the program. Again, if you missed any part of this interview, you can catch it on our podcast under Seton Hall University iTunes Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter. We want to wish you to have a very good weekend, but remember, leadership begins with you. WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net.